This is episode 153 on The Herpreneur Show. Today we have the founder of SUNA, Lindell Sterenberg. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Today's interview is so rich with education. As we keep going along, it just gets better and better. Today, we interview Lindell Sterenberg, who is the founder of SUNA. She's an entrepreneur, she's a designer, and she's also a mum and has a huge marketing consultancy background as well. I don't know about you ladies, but when I'm having my fat years, not fat weeks, <laughs> mine go for about a year and then I go, hmm, time to tidy up the diet. Um, I do not want to go to the beach. It's the last place I want to go physically. I would love to be there, though I get stopped in my tracks because I worry how I look when I'm at the beach and I'm not feeling good about my body and my husband always organizes beach trips with other families. So here I am going, oh, okay, great. What am I going to (laughs) wear? And Lindell's product has solved that problem for me. I can now throw on this gorgeous rashy dress and actually look really good in it. I feel so confident in it and I actually look forward to going to the beach now because I have the outfit sorted. (laughs) So today we're going to go into this excellent interview and I am going to give you a heads up as my microphone sounds great now. This was one of the interviews that really, really sucked when it came to my audio. It fell on its face and I had no idea until afterwards when we played it back. This interview was so flowing organically between Lindell and I, we did not think we'd be able to do this again. So I just thought, you know what, hopefully you guys can move past it and really listen to this great interview that Lindell puts on for us with this education and me hosting it along the way. And you can feel the vibe of this energy that flows between us. As a side note, everything we mentioned in today's interview, the show notes are below, especially what you ladies will want to know is the 20% off discount that she is giving our listeners today. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the founder and the designer of SUNA, Lindell Sterenberg. Enjoy. (laughs) Thank you very much. I feel we need a round of applause. (laughs) Now, straight out of the games, I see you through a connection. I jump on to have a look at your website and instantly I said to myself, I just need the product that she has. Ladies, it is a rashy dress. So, you know, like your rash vest, you put on your kids. Well, guess what? We've got something gorgeous, something feminine for us. We don't just have to wear the rashy T-shirt anymore. This now we can make a fashion statement at the beach. So this is why I wanted you on. I thought it was an incredible <laughs> idea. So um, before we get into it, Lindell, tell me where in this beautiful country of Australia are you right now? I am right now in Adelaide and it's 41 degrees for the third day in a row. <laughs> and I'm holed up in my office and stock room 
Um, I've turned the air conditioner off, though, because I didn't want it buzzing in the background. So, Well, let's get straight into it. Yes, Una, incredible idea, gorgeous, so my style. Okay. The one in every colour. You just need to produce more in every colour. That's right. Um, tell us, how did it start? Where did it all start from? Did it start from a problem, start from an idea? It started from a problem. And mm-hmm. many entrepreneurs, well, most start yeah. their businesses from a problem. And when um, my daughter, who's 20, when she was 12, we were having a family holiday um, on Phillip Island and she wanted a new Rashi. And I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. And we went to a surf shop and the myriad of swimwear shops on the island. And she wanted something that didn't fit like a sausage skin. Mm-hmm. Because we all know most rashies are like yeah. a sausage skin. And mm-hmm. she was um, 12 and she was a bit self-conscious of where her body was at the time. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. Like we had to buy a 12-year-old you know, little girl a men's 18 rashi so she could get one that just fit like a T-shirt. Oh, wow. And I just thought that is like how bad does she feel about herself that she's yeah. in um, a men's size 18? And I, and I thought to myself, like, I'd never bought a rashi myself because I didn't want the skin tight rashi either. Yeah. And I was at the beach looking at all these women who were wearing caftans, they were in shorts and T-shirts. Mm-hmm. There was very few women, particularly with their children, who were wearing bathers. And I thought, oh, this problem is beyond me <laughs> and my daughter. So I came home, um, came back to Adelaide, and I did a whole heap of research into, you know, was there something out there that was suitable for her and was there something that was suitable for me as well? And I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. And I talked to my friends and I did a bit of personal research and, like, I've got a girlfriend who goes to the beach for two weeks every summer with her partner and four children, and every day the dad takes the kids to the beach and she stays at home and waits for them to get back because she was not confident enough about her body to go to the beach mm-hmm. with them. And, mm-hmm. and it's really sad. And I, she's not the only person who has that problem. And, in fact, my main customer group are older women, mm-hmm. and we all know that as we age, our shape, our shape changes through menopause. <laughs> I'm yeah it does not, yeah. I'm not as old as me obviously but you know we get we change in body shape we get um a belly not mm. only that our skin changes we get wrinkles we get sunspots and I went to the skin specialist last year with these little pink dots on my skin and I said to, I said to the specialist what is this and she said, oh, they're raspberry spots. And I said, oh, well, can we just get rid of those? And she said, no, no, you'll get more as you get older and you get more sun exposure. And I was just like, gosh, you know, not only am I ageing because of the sun and just the natural physical processes mm-hmm. of a woman, I've got all these telltale signs over my body and I'm not alone in wanting to cover it up. Mm-hmm. And I found that um, a lot of women stop doing things they love because they're self-conscious about the way they look. And I didn't... Mm-hmm. I wanted women to enjoy summer and I wanted to enjoy summer. So skin yeah. protection came a thing for me. That was one element. And having the confidence to step out and continue to do all the activities that I love doing on the beach and that other women love doing on the beach yeah. was important. Yeah. Mm. I just honestly, the when I saw the rashy dress and I saw how you've got the little, you can pull them up at the sides. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's just so me. 
But the first thing I thought of, you actually touched on that answer just then, mm. which was I felt like I could go to the beach and look more like me and actually feel attractive. Yeah. Because my weight fluctuates up and down all the time. And I sometimes just want to go hide when I hear my husband say, hey, we've organised this family and this family to meet us at the beach. And I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, I think I'll put up a board shorts over my bum so that it, that, that looks just so unflattering. And sometimes it does get really hot during the day. And mm-hmm. even though I've got the caftans or the, the dresses, they just feel like they're not giving me enough protection. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that, it was like it was like a magic pill for me for instant confidence. And then I went, I could wear this for surf club because in surf club they ask the parents just to stand knee deep in the water and I don't want to stand yeah. there with my bum face and everyone in my, in my swimmers. <laughs> so for me instantly I saw solution, solution, solution. What I love is how many women and you've said this as well, that it starts with a problem. The idea of our entrepreneurial journey is because we've seen a problem that we're suffering with or our child's normally suffering with, which is what's happened with you, and you just think, wow. And suddenly it's like these downloads come in where you get shown everything that you're in. Absolutely. It's like something, oh, there, 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 there. I want to know the steps then because you went, what, from corporate? Yeah. (laughs) Entrepreneur. What was the first step you did, though? So you've got this idea. You started doing research. Yeah. Did you just start tinkering away with drawing on a pad? Did you start (laughs) looking at designs out there? Like take us through that when it was starting to go, okay, I'm starting to create this. Uh, Pinterest is my friend. I created Pinterest Mm -hmm. boards um, across the landscape of swimwear Uh and and activewear. So that was my first step in the design side of things. Um, But I had to, I mean, I I researched to the nth degree and I had to overcome, you know, that personal uh, perfectionism side of me and of not Mm -hmm. doing something until I can do it perfectly. But I thought I do need some guidance. So I actually did a fashion startup course. Uh which taught you because the language of fashion and the technical side of garment construction and design is even if you can use a sewing machine and cut and draw and, you know, make Mm. things yourself, the language of it and the process is something completely foreign. Mm. So I did that course and then I found um, a local manufacturer of swimwear here in Adelaide that I um, eventually contracted using. And I would just drive up to the factory and talk to this fantastic lady who helped me with all of the, um, I would have an idea of the design and she would be able to translate my pictures into the actual pattern. And I just, I worked really closely with her. So I surrounded myself with um, experts really Mm, to to teach me how to do things, Um, read blogs, listen to podcasts. Did you do the fashion course first or did you drive up and speak to the lady in the manufacturing place first? No, I did the fashion course first. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and there's a lot of decisions to make along the way that, that starting out and thinking, oh, I'll just launch a swimwear business. I mean, so many people do launch a swimwear business. Uh, my girlfriend's just been to Bali and she has a fashion business and she was looking for a manufacturer. And on the manufacturer's door in Bali, it said, if you've had a lovely time on the beach and have enjoyed wearing your bathers, don't think that you can come here and make them and start a fashion empire. <laughs> Are you serious? That's how many people actually say that to them. Wow. I mean, these manufacturers must have people come all the time with with great ideas who who Mm -hmm. don't have the education to be able to speak in the same language. And Mm -hmm. I actually found that early on when I was calling manufacturers, you know, they knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So I needed Mm -hmm. to get the help to prove, build my credibility really, that I was Mm -hmm. going to be the right person for them to work with. So building my personal confidence and credibility was important in establishing. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, the more conversations you have, the more intelligence you get around the situation about just even the manufacturing side of it, then it's like, okay, how am I going to do it? Am I going to do an e-commerce? Am I going to, you know, do a distributor model? There's all these different learnings. Let's talk about the manufacturing stage. You started with the company in Adelaide. Yeah. Yep. Did you try any other manufacturers or were you still there today? Or let's go through uh, that journey. Yeah, I tried one in Melbourne um as well. Um they were they were really good. It was just easier working with people in Adelaide because I could physically be there. Mm-hmm. Um unfortunately they closed down last year. So I'm now working with the company who purchased them who are also still in Adelaide. This yeah. year. So that's a period of change and you know, stress for me. <laughs> In having to to move from one manufacturer to yeah. another because I thought that I had everything sorted. And I think that's one of the lessons in business is even though you, you think you've got everything sorted and perfect, things change and you have to be ready for that change. Yeah. A, uh, what made you stay in Australia and not go offshore? I wanted to support Australian industry. I'm really passionate about Australian made. I want my children to have jobs and careers in Australia if they choose and if I don't support local industry, then I'm not supporting the youth of today. Beautiful. Wonderful. So good. It's interesting because you do get a lot of people that will go offshore and there's no judgment either way. Though you can see by you actually staying here in Australia, you have have real close quality control. Yeah. Because as soon as you do something offshore, it's very hard for communication a lot of the time. Mm. But then it actually puts you into a different bracket because now you can be in a more of a high-end bracket because you've got this beautiful fabric, you've got good quality. Mm. It gives you a different position in the marketplace. Um, have you thought about going from e-commerce to actually in-store? Have you done in-store before? Well, when I started, I thought in-store was the way to go. But five years ago when I launched and I started talking to agents and agents, their job is to walk around to retail stores mm-hmm. and, and sell your product to them, uh, I, I, I wasn't good at really sharing my vision about what my product was and what it could mean to women. And, you know, as a result... <laughs> The agents couldn't couldn't embrace it either. So I was mm. the first Rashi that looked like a dress, and it was just mm-hmm. like, well, Lindor, you know, how are you going to swim in it? Well, you can you can swim in it, and you can have a dip and splash around. If you want to do laps, this is not obviously the right yeah. garment to wear. <laughs> uh, 
And that's not what my market is. My market uh, are women who are, you know, self-conscious or have to in some way protect their mm. body or liberate themselves and want to wear something yeah. stylish on the beach. But that uh, I did that for maybe 10 months and the agent didn't yeah. sell anything and I just thought, you know, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> internalizing yeah. it's a problem with me but it wasn't it was a problem partly because I didn't believe in myself as much as I should I didn't share my yeah. passion as well as I should um and I also think I was the first in the market yeah you were and you were. yeah and even five years ago social media wasn't what it is today mm-hmm. and so sharing your story and and what the benefit of your product is was was more difficult yeah. yeah. Can I say this? Because this is such an important point, Linda, that you're saying. We're going to have women listening that they remember the startup phase and some of them are in the startup phase. And in the startup phase, you're still trying to get proof of concept. Yeah. You're still trying to get social proofing of people acknowledging it and liking it. And you're still learning your actual sales process in how to sell it. You get your words from your customers or you'll get your words as you start to move along. So, you know, being five years in now, how far you would have come along to be able to explain your product, which you have at the very start of this interview in depth, is is incredible. So for anyone that's listening that is in the startup phase, just if you're going to go to agents, you've got a product and you're going to agents or let's just say you're selling if you're a consultant or a coach, you want to make sure that you have some type of a system in place. You mm-hmm. want that once to systemize it. Um, I don't normally share stuff on the show, but I'm going to give it here today <laughs> that we have a, a free mini course for the reverse selling method and that will just help you articulate your product So when you have to verbally explain it or when you are selling to somebody face-to-face or on the phone, you have a little system there because you need a system if you're at the startup phase because we will teach you how to articulate it. So I'll have the links in the show notes. Um, But what I want to say to you now is you're five years in. Yep. You've now shown proof of concept online. You've now got social proofing. What's next for you? Would you look at going into a higher-end market in store? I know we spoke a little bit off offline as well. What are your thoughts now knowing what you know? All right. I just want to step back as well. So when um, just to talk about the impact of COVID and what I learnt through COVID. So -hmm. leading up to COVID, I stopped using an agent and decided online was for me and I decided, well, I'll go through different online marketplaces to increase my reach. Um, I had a platform for over 60s that I joined, which was sensational. And then I did a lot of work on my socials and, and website to build to build my knowledge around selling online. And I have to say COVID, you know, gangbusters for online sales. Yeah. <laughs> Being Australian made, you know, big tick on the box there. I wasn't... Um, you know, overseas freight wasn't an impact for me. People wanted to support local. It was a really, really fantastic time for me to be thrown in the deep end and see how to come out the other side. And now I'm out the other side. Oh, I'm um, thrown in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about swimwear. We could have puns all day. 
I'm dipping my toe in the water. I can do all sorts of things. Oh, you have lots of fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now I'm out the other side and I still am learning. I'm still learning about online and improving and how to get my revenue consistent and all those sorts of things because that's a really important side of business. But I know that my age group um, who buy my clothes, and I'll say a few names of my customers and you can guess the age group. (laughs) So I've got um, Jennifer, Alison, um, Granny B, (laughs) Tanya, Maria. So all of these clients are, you know, middle-aged to older women. And buying online has not been natural for this Mm. group. So that is, um, which means that I've got to get the fit right. And there's a whole lot of implications of um, these women learning to buy online and finding my stuff. And and I know people contact me and they say, Lyndall, are you coming, I don't know, to a market near me or do you have an in-store that I could come and try on? So people do ask me. So it is something that I need to consider in the future because I think that's where my growth will likely come from. Yeah, I think you've got proof of concept now. And this is for everybody who's listening that if you've been in the game and Lindell's been in it for five years now, and some of you maybe been in business for a lot longer, but if you talk about product, we've got runs on the board now for five yeah. years and you can see the growth. And this is now an opportunity when Lindell went straight into retail at the start, it was still getting to know her product and proof of concept and also building your own resilience and confidence around the brand because let me tell you when you have an agent selling for you the newest product that comes in now suddenly is in their front of mind Mm. so if you do have a product with an agent at the moment you want to continually make sure that you're touching base you're doing training with them with the staff um, because that's the only way you're going to stay front of mind but now we circle back and now you, you know, fully stepped into entrepreneurship. You understand the online world. I can honestly see, you know, doing the, the, the Maya, David Jones, that hmm. because your product is that level. Yeah. You know, we might have listeners here. You might have products that are in, you know, a, a $50 price range and that could be, you know, straight into like a, a big W or to a target. So you'll be surprised how many of them actually take on these products. But what I love is Lindell has done the test of time and we could go full loop again back into retail again because it's just um, an incredible product. I just, I, honestly, I just cannot get over how much I love it. I would love to know just personal things for you. What was the biggest thing that you had to over, overcome in your business, like courage-wise, confidence-wise, did you get in the way of yourself? Was there something that you really had to try to get over, get through, move to the side? Yes. <laughs> yes <it was. laughs> we all do. <laughs> and I know that you came across me through my um, business mentor and I've been working with her for over a year and really learned a lot about myself. And, you know, there's always two voices in your head, even if you don't admit. There's, I always have this critical voice in my head that's saying the negative about things that I'm considering and pondering. And working with a mentor, um, I learned that I was actually acting in in fear and I wasn't countering that, that criticism. So it's really interesting when this negative voice comes into my head, I have to fight, <laughs> fight against it. And so I've learned to do that through continually challenging myself 
and stepping outside of what I normally do because I mean, I actually know that I can do it. I actually know that I can do <laughs> pretty much everything I want to do. And just by way of example, um, last year, my girlfriend and I brought Ali Dado to Adelaide to do a um, an event to launch her book, Queen Menopause, which you may have heard oh, of. Nice. And that was awesome. And we sold 200 tickets and it was two weeks before the event and the MC that we'd hired, which was a well-known um, news, a female news presenter here in Adelaide, um, pulled out for, I'm not too <laughs> sure of the reason, but anyway, she pulled out two weeks before the event. And my girlfriend and I were just like, what? What are we going to do? We've got 200 women coming and Ali's going to be here and <laughs> we, we really want to deliver this successful event. So I just thought, I just said to my girlfriend, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. And that little voice inside my head was, Lindell, you're being crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't do this. And I spent two weeks reading that book and highlighting passages like I was doing a school assignment and I rehearsed the questions in my head again and again and we ran that night and I have fans <laughs> who, came, who came up to me after the event and they continue to, if I'm at a market or, or event now, they'll come and say, oh, I was at that Ali Dado event and that was one of the best events I've ever been to and what a brilliant job. Yeah. So taking a courageous steps to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do mm-hmm. are yeah. really, really important to um, continue to build your courage and give you confidence in yourself. Yeah. That is the opportunity to be able to be front of crowd, to be able to showcase just who you are, your essence and your energy. Mm. And, and, you know, along for the ride, they end up realising what you do in business. But um, it's it, it, I notice when we are in business, we continually take risks and take steps. And that's what is the thing that really stretches us and takes us to that next level of ourselves. Yeah. So I love that you've given that clear example there, um, especially because you said that you're a person that does like to really nut, nut over things a lot. So I then do. to just jump in and just go, I'll do it. I'll do it. Say <laughs> yes and you're right right What are you doing? <laughs> we'll build the parachute on the way down, but you know what? You want to fix fire and what happens you know it just the the magic happens one thing that women need to know to feel confident going to the beach enjoying summer I have shared my when I'm at my lows in my weight yeah because I now live one street away from the beach so you know we're there pretty much twice a week I would love to know what your message is to share with women my advice is reclaim the beach. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was some research done by one of the universities in Melbourne after COVID that found that 23% of women value their worth purely based on how they look. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. devastating. We, we can sit there and we can go, that's sad, but I can also say a lot of that I, yeah. I, I agree with, sadly. So and if I would say it to a friend, I would say different, but for myself, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So my advice is grab a friend, go for a walk along the beach and dare yourself mm-hmm. to take a dip. So it, it is taking those courageous steps. And when you show your courage, you end up achieving, feeling good about yourself, or you might end up having fun. <laughs> and yeah. so 
exactly. it's those little things that you do. I had um, one of the ladies, so I've got these long beach pants that you can wear and you can get them wet and go in the water. And I saw the pants? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this lady, so she's retired and she moved down to a beachside suburb called Gulwa in South Australia. And she she came to my stand. I was at a design market and she came to my stand and she said, oh, you know, I bought this beach house and I've lived there for two years and I haven't set foot on the beach. And I was like, oh, why, well, why did you move there? And she said, oh, I love the beach. And I mm. said, well, why haven't you walked? Why haven't you gone to the beach? And she said, oh, I don't like my ankles. And she said, I know it's stupid. I know I should just go there. Nobody's looking at my ankles, but I just can't get over it. So my other advice is to um, to enjoy summer is use fashion as a tool. Mm. Fashion is a tool to build confidence. You know, makeup's a tool to build confidence. And what yes. we wear can yeah. really make ourselves feel great. So mm. choose something that will give you confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that we would we even know that it will put us in the happiest version of ourselves that we will choose to opt out because yeah. of the vanity self-esteem yeah i'm just yeah. so glad you touched on that point fear of criticism is yeah. yeah what's something that you think that you need to teach women that are going into an e-commerce business they're setting it up what do you feel that you've learned that you think if I was to impart this one thing, what would it be? It would be having the best product in the world is not enough and you have to know your numbers. Mm. So, and, and that means, you know, how many people have to see my product somewhere and how many times do they have to see it before they take mm. action to go and find my website? How many yeah. people do I have to drive to my website to make sure to ensure a purchase? How many purchases do I have to have every week to reach my revenue goals? How many times does a potential customer come back to my website before they make a purchase? Mm-hmm. And those kinds of things and what's my average order value? So those sort of things, it is a numbers game. And if you don't get enough people coming to your website, you're not going to get enough people purchasing your product. It's yeah, just yeah. kind of simple as that. And then, then because you know the numbers, you can then take action to say, okay, most people come to my website four times. So if I'm going to get them back three more times, how am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. And am I going to do that through uh, advertising, through social media? Am I going to do in-person events? What am I going to do to make sure they come back next time and the next time they come back they're going to buy something? Yeah, that's powerful because... Mm. We know now that it sometimes takes up to seven times per person to, if they don't know who you are, what you do, sometimes that retargeting on Facebook, now they've put a lot more restrictions around the retargeting. Yeah. yeah. But when we could really have full reign, it was it was incredible. It's still mm. incredible now, but it's just we just can't go really pinpointing our direct customer. Mm. But um, that and that helps with that person seeing that ad. They've seen the pair of shoes. They've seen the swim dress. They've seen whatever it is. Yeah, and they're thinking about it, thinking about it. That ad keeps tracking around, and then boom, they've seen it and met enough times to feel comfortable to go ahead. And I love that you said about getting people to your website because. A lot of people do think that they've got great product, which is what you've just said. Mm. But then they never think about how many traffic there because visibility is what wins. 
And sadly, in any type of industry, the ones that have the most visibility yeah. are the ones they're that have the, the wins. The and wins. even if they've got a crappier product than you, if they're not as good as you as a coach, as a consultant, as a brand, unfortunately, if they've got more visibility, it wins. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that is such a key part of e-commerce with any brand. Hmm. But e-commerce, you don't have the traffic walking by if you had a shop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the beautiful thing about e-commerce is you can control your marketing. You can. You can send out your marketing campaigns instantly, text message, e- email, social. It's so instant that you can control it where for, you know, a bricks and mortar type of business, if it's a rainy day, you have to hope that you've got a database that you can market to to get people to come in. Yeah. So thank you for being <laughs> on that. That's really, really cool. Uh, let's just say we've got two different women in, in, in business here. We've got women in the startup phase and women in, in, in the growth phase. You've been through both phases. A piece of advice for the woman in the startup and a piece of advice that you had for the woman in the growth phase, what would you say to both of them? Um, so I think in the startup phase, you often feel that I don't know anything, I can't share anything, somebody's doing my idea, and you try and power on alone, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> You need to join communities and surround yourself with other people who are on the journey as well because you'll Mm -hmm. find people who are, um, they're in a stalemate with the same problems that you have and you can really learn and grow together and and that gives you confidence as well. Mm -hmm. Um, In the the growth phase, um, there's two things. I, I really believe in experts. And I, you know, in the startup phase, you've got to do everything yourself because you don't have the money to hire someone else and bootstrapping. But when you can afford to outsource something, outsource it to somebody who knows what they're doing. I mean, the Facebook advertising, like I did a Facebook advertising course <laughs> and I, you know, I could do it. Was I any good at it? I was okay. Is the person I hired like 25,000 times better than me? Yes, they are. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they do for a living. So hire mm. experts, and then the other um, great thing I've done uh, relatively recently. So one of my best friends today I met in August last year, which is pretty unusual to have a best friend that you meet like in August last that's year. So good, I, I love know. That. But my friend Nicola. So we met at a. Um, it was like a um, a re- an expo where we were targeting retailers last year. Um, and she was in the stand next to me. She comes from Adelaide and I thought, I'll just contact this woman t- to introduce myself. And we just have shared ever since. We've joined um, this um, online e-commerce uh, Shopify kind of development mm-hmm. group. And every week we share what we've done, what our results have been and mm-hmm. how can we improve it. So every week we catch up and, like, I'll get a text, not every day, but, you know, Maybe once or twice a week, I might get an additional text in addition to to um, catching up. Oh, you know, Lyndall, I've just done this to my website. It's made a huge of diff- huge difference. Thank you so much. And I'll be like, oh, that email you did last week was brilliant. I tried it on my own and, you know, I got, you know, 45% open rate or whatever. And those little successes, it's really great when you can share it with someone. Yeah. I, you know, my I've got three children and a husband and, you know, I'll tell them about my dad. They'll just be like, oh. That's great, Mum. 
<laughs> Do you know what you're actually saying as well? Because as soon as you step into entrepreneurship, you've come from corporate where physically you're in an office with people, I assume, every day and you're mingling and, you know, there's even the opportunity of, you know, getting dressed nice and and suddenly when you do this, you know, sharp right-hand turn and you're, or even for you, which is what a lot of women do, you know, they go, I need the funds. I need the funds to support it and I've got I, I've got things, bills to pay. So they do the trapeze, which is they, they stay in their job plus while they build, they've got one hand on, on you know, each bar. Though what you're saying is the... The importance of having somebody has got your back because as soon as you go into online and working for yourself, if you're just in those four walls of your house or in a spare bedroom where your office is, wherever it might be, you start to reduce the, the heavily reduce the interaction with people, which can actually kick into a depression as well. So it's, yeah. there's no one to air off to. So being able to find, even with what you're saying, your first advice was for the startups being able to find people at your stage of business yeah no matter if it's in the, the startup or growth because what we've got here is I mean those met somebody who's in the same level of growth in her business they've got each other's back it's not competitive it's actually in full support helping each other evolve and uplift um that is just huge for the psychology and for the, for the esteem of actually staying in the game mm. because if you don't have people to turn to, like you're saying, you've got your, your, your husband and your, your son, but they don't understand those little things every day that happen. Yeah. So um, I think that's just such good advice because it really, really helps just the, the psychology of happiness, really. Yeah, I, I think so. And I th- while you're saying the psychology of happiness, I feel that as I've gotten older, I've been able to relate to myself and know myself better. Whereas when I was, you know, a young professional, you know, when you're in your 30s and in early 40s, you're just like, oh, I can do this. I can do, you know, just, you know, don't yeah. help me. I can do it. Yeah. But now I'm like, well, actually, I, sh- I should get yeah. help. And the other thing is people want to help. I mean, how, how good do you feel about yourself when someone offers you help? I know. And all you offer someone help. Everybody else, don't yeah. they? It's like, <laughs> yeah. And, and what you're saying as well is, when, when you're getting an expert for something that you need, once you can afford it, sometimes you don't think you can. Mm. Uh, that's when you really need to look at your sales, ladies, because the sales helps you is the lifeblood of your business. Yeah. But as soon as you can get help, think that you're paying for a shortcut. You're paying for the shortcut because that allows you to then get on with what you're great at and allows that person to grow the business that they can actually help with. So when you're paying, you're paying for speed is what I believe. In any coach that you get or any outsourcing, you're paying for speed of growth and you're also paying for um, not... Bring yourself. Meltdowns. Yeah. <laughs> Reducing the meltdowns. And Donna, you have a, a gift for the audience today. Yes, it is awesome, ladies. It is awesome. <laughs> Here it yes. is. Drum roll. So Annette is going to share a link. Um, and just by simply signing up to our Insiders Club, you'll be sent a $20 voucher to use on your first purchase. Linda, uh, I, I really am a big um, believer in bringing health and wellness into entrepreneurship. Because when we show up 
better, we produce better results and it really helps our business thrive. I would love to know from you, what's the one thing that you do on a very regular basis that is more of a physical activity, something gets you away from your desk, that makes you the happiest version of you, what would it be? (laughs) Every single day my husband and I get up and we walk the dog to our um, local coffee shop. We walk together. It's really the only time we we sort of chat about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, we walk together and we meet our neighbours, we have a coffee and we walk home. And that's beautiful. Connection, connection, connection. The airing off the the family meeting. Yeah, and the caffeine, <laughs> and then the community. It just ticks so many boxes. That would be what makes the happiest version of you for sure. Because it yeah. ticks so many boxes. Thank you much, Lindell. Uh, keep rocking it, and um, just absolutely love what you're doing. Thank you. You're listening to the Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.